Good morning. And uh, I just know that you're enjoying this, this beautiful day. Um, God is so good to us. And uh, I just really want to just rest in that for a moment, that God is good to us and his plans for us are good. Last week, we did a, a whole look at Jesus being able to provide for us and Jesus being able to protect us as our Lord. And today, we're, we're actually going into a new way in which God is revealed himself to people in this multi-thousand-year journey. Multi-thousand-year journey. That, that just blows my mind every single time I think about it. That God has been so faithful to humanity for so long. That's just wonderful. So I'm going to, um, I'm just going to pray and, uh, and invite God to speak to us and through the words that I'm sharing today. God, we do exactly that. We invite you to speak to us through the words that I'm sharing. That if there are words that you would like to highlight in people's lives today, that you would do it. That your Holy Spirit would speak to them and highlight some of the words that are said here and allow us to understand what you're doing and who you are. Thank you for inviting us into your multi-thousand year journey of making all things right and living with your creation. Thank you for bringing us freedom from the things that were destroying us. And as we look more into, into the freedom that you bring, God, I pray that you, would, that you would glorify yourself in us. That you would be glorified in the outcome of us who have been immersed in your presence. pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So I really want to just clarify something. I talk a lot about preparing for the presence of God. And, and then we have this theology that God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. And so what does that mean? I mean, when I'm walking through the store, isn't God with me? When I'm, when I'm showering it, you know, in, in the morning, getting ready for the day, isn't God with me? And when I'm driving in my car, isn't God with me? Well, absolutely, God is with you. Absolutely. Today we're going to get into a little bit more of God with us, um, indwelling us, and what that means. And we're going to see that God truly is indeed with us. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be prepared for it. We need to be prepared for God with us. We need to be set in allegiance with God for us to truly be indwelt by the Spirit of God. I'm afraid that in our culture, we've made the presence of God too easy. I mean, I'm not the first one to think this. I know that, that people have, have written about the cheapness of grace. I know that people for long times have written about the way that we could just, oh, broad brush everything and make everything okay. Sometimes we take the presence of God like that. We're where just anybody can just say, oh, well, God's with me, you know, through all the hard times, when they've never even acknowledged God in the rest of their life. When God isn't with them, when things are good, because they don't need God, because they are the center of their own universe. So we do need to distinguish. It's important for us to say, no, there is the presence 
of God, that manifest presence of God where he is truly with us. And so I want you to know that, yes, I believe in the omnipresent God, but I believe in the God that wants to be with us, that wants to be known by us, that wants to be intimate with us, to know who he is and he know completely who we are, that we are brought together. Isn't that what the whole idea of the bride of Christ is about? Where the church being the bride of Christ is the image in Ephesians 5. It's all about being brought into the most closeness of relationship. God is with us. Not just God is with us in, the, in this kind of like pantheist idea that God is in the trees and God is everywhere. No, God's presence is with us. And we're going to dive into that today. Really, really important. God is near, and I really want to show us how near God is. So in John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay. Very simple verse, but we need to stop and pause for a moment about this verse. Because when we think about the, the long story of God that we've talked about, we see that Jesus is God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel. We see that that was promised right from the beginning. We talked about tabernacle being God's presence among the people, temple being God's pre permanent presence among the people, and then Emmanuel, after the exile, Emmanuel, God walking with us. It's always been this progression. Jesus, the climax of the story, the Messiah has come. The world is being set to right again. He's the climax. You know, he is the rightful human, the one who got it right all the way through. And, and so it's a little shocking for us in John 16 to say, it's to your advantage that I leave the presence of God, the person of God, leaving the people of God. It's to your advantage that I leave. Wait, Jesus, the climax of the story, what more is there? And Jesus says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is going to come. I'm going to send him to you. Oh my goodness, there is more. There is so much more than just Jesus coming as a person. There is something more happening. The other person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, is coming to be sent to us to, to be a part of it. You know, it can't be removed from, from the, the previous services. It can't be removed, you know, and, and reduced to the Holy Spirit is here for personal benefit or personal gain. It, it, it's always under the authority of Scripture and the Lordship of Jesus. And, and we see this new revelation of the person of God. We see that Holy Spirit is saying, I am going to make you my temple in which I dwell in. 
I'm going to make you my temple in which I dwell in. You know, it's God's very presence living inside of us, which means we become the tabernacle, that portable space for the presence of God. I mean, are you ready for that? Are you willing to to see it? Are you willing to be changed by the Holy Spirit? And so much of the presence of God, you'll notice this constant theme of change. We're being changed by the presence of God. And that's what's happening. That God transforms our being. That God is actually elevating us from simply being people who are bound by time and space and desires and impulses We are being elevated as a people group, as humanity, into a connection with the divine that changes us to our core. And it's beautiful. You know, the the work of the Holy Spirit, I've seen it, I've seen it shown like this. And there's going to be a Venn diagram on the screen where, where there's the spirit and the body and the mind. And the spirit um, is is where God dwells. He dwells with us in our spirit. He makes our spirit alive. And so he comes in and he starts to work inside of us with our spirit. And we start to see changes happening in the way we think, in our mind. Romans 12 says, you know, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's because the Spirit is showing you things and changing things in your mind. And when those things change, we see actions in our body start to change. When we don't have the Holy Spirit doing that work inside of us, and we just try to convince ourselves to change, we change in a very different way. If I were to walk up to my daughter and I were to say, you are no longer allowed to use green paint, just an arbitrary change, then that would be a demand made on her actions first. I would then have to explain why green paint is toxic and terrible for her to use. And so then I would have to move from the demand of action into the mind. And the chances of it actually changing anything in her spirit is quite slim. It becomes an external forced change. In the view where the Holy Spirit is changing us, he changes us internally first. He changes us at our very core, which affects the way that we think. And from the way that we think, our actions are then wrapped into it. And so Holy Spirit changes us, and and that change is called sanctification. One verse famously talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We find it in in Galatians chapter 5. And the fruit of the Spirit is so famous. You know, all these great things that come out. But what we don't talk about is how the Holy Spirit isolates and and, uh, he isolates and draws out the things that don't align. And we see that in verse um, 16. So let's take a look at this. It says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look at that. That same kind of thing we talked about from Romans 6 a couple weeks ago, we're seeing again. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are at odds with each other. They do not align. And so... Um, we see that they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. When we experience the presence of God, we may be experiencing some of this work where, where the Holy Spirit is seeing these things. It, 
it doesn't come from that external adhering to these set of arbitrary rules where it goes through, you know, you first get told the action and then you get explained why it needs to be like that. And then maybe your spirit might be adjusted. No, the Holy Spirit says, we're going to get rid of things that don't align, that are in conflict with, with what God is doing. And, and he kind of just sorts through with you. So the assumption is that as we walk by the Spirit, there are things that, that we don't want to have happen anymore, that we don't want to participate any more with. And so, and so we say, Holy Spirit, what do we do with this? And Holy Spirit says, well, this is something that isn't working. This is an attitude of the self-flesh, the self-focused, one of the vices, one of the things that's bringing death in your life. Let's remove that. Well, if we go on reading, we say, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the, de the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other, and you keep from doing the things that you want to do. They, they are opposed to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Well, what we have here is we have a whole list of the way that the Holy Spirit is changing what we fundamentally want. Have you ever spoken to somebody who says, oh, I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want to be involved with being Christian because you guys can't get drunk. It's so much fun to get drunk. I used to, te I used to talk to teens all the time who were like this, and, and they'd be talking about the drunken parties that they went to, and then I would hear the horrifying stories of what happened at these drunken parties, and they were talking about the drama that came out of them. And I, and I actually got to a point of frustration with them at one point, and I said, why do you bother with the drunken parties, because the outcome is never anything you're happy with in the end. And, and, but their desire was for these things. The Holy Spirit changes it. In verse 17, we see that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit helps you overcome that. And, and these other things keep you from doing the things that you want to do. The, the change that's happened is your fundamental desire has shifted. What you wanted before the Holy Spirit was, was working in you has totally changed. You know, Paul, Paul makes that assumption that says, you want to do the things of the Spirit, but the things of the flesh are still there, and God is changing you. You have a part to play in it. You know, like when we looked at sexual immorality, that's putting your own sexual desires ahead of the other. You know, when you look at impurity, purity laws are going through a process of making you ready for the presence of God. And when you look at impurity, you're actually saying, ah, I'm not getting ready for the presence of God. God isn't important. But when you've claimed allegiance to Jesus, God becomes important. And, and getting your heart ready for God. Sensuality is another one. You know, follows the impulses of your body. Sensuality, just do what you want. Oscar Wilde was amazing at this. Just do that, that follow whatever makes you feel good in the moment. 
And the, the damage that comes out of that is, is huge because you don't put a rein on your impulses. Your impulses will destroy your life. Some of you, your impulses are to say, you know, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to put it off. I'm, I'm going to procrastinate. Some of you, your impulses would lean you towards a more passive nature. When some of you, your impulses would lead you towards a more destructive nature. Both of them end up destroying your life in a different way. And so God's saying, no, sensuality is something that I am overcoming in you. I am changing that in you. And then we start to see the fruit of the Spirit, the outcomes of the Holy Spirit making changes, love, joy, peace, and all the others. So the Holy Spirit changes us. He sanctifies us. He is the presence of God dwelling in us. So we are the temple of God. Right here we see that in, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells inside of you? See, the Holy Spirit gives us connectivity to God by making us the temple of God. There's a process that links directly back to the Old Testament, that, that temple image of the presence of God, but we see that the temple has now expanded to become the entire earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the psalmist declares. And so now, if the earth is the Lord's and the earth is the is, is the presence of God, then we are the temple and the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And so there's something that's changed and that makes you sacred. It makes you sacred. It means that what you touch becomes sacred. Jesus experienced this all the time. When he touched the unclean, it became clean, pure, whole. That's why the healing of leprosy was so important, because leprosy meant that you were excluded. You were not prepared for the presence of God. When Jesus touched that person, that person becomes clean. He was sacred space, and we become sacred space because God lives inside of us. You know, your life gets rearranged because the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes central role. Holy Spirit will always say, what is in accordance with the revelation of Scripture. So you can always go back and check to hear if that was the Holy Spirit. But if God is present in you, your body is no longer common. The very presence of God indwells you. He is in you, with you, working through you, not just to change your actions, but to change your essence. If you've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you're not owned by you anymore, but God is in you. And we become aware of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. Submission to his work allows us to partner with him. And next week, we're going to talk about the, what the Holy Spirit does. Because when we get the theology of the presence of God right, we get the theology of the power of God right. Those two come hand in hand. That the power of God is only understood in the presence of God. 
And so as Holy Spirit, we now have come this long journey from an introduction to God in the Old Testament, accepting no substitutions. We've gone through the journey of God. We've recognized how Jesus calls us into submission of God. And now God comes and indwells us. And in our next message, we get to discuss why God has, why God has taken ownership of your life what his purpose is, and how he wants you and me and us as a church to partner with him. God is doing a profound work, a world-changing work. And I don't want us to miss it for one moment. I don't want us to miss the great things of God. So let me pray for you. God, we have searched our hearts. We have been searching scripture And we have been every week thinking about being prepared for you. And now we see that you indwell us in a special way that's different from the ways of, oh, God is just everywhere, to the presence of God is in us. The presence of God dwells in us, making us a sanctified place, making us a holy being that we are set apart, we are separate because God dwells in us. We are a temple of God in this world. And so God, with you dwelling in us, we pray that you would have your way in us. Make our desires more like your desires. Make our thoughts more like your thoughts. Make our actions reflect your actions. And God, we offer our life to you and we say you are good and we ask you to do your good work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I pray that God will bless you and that you have an awesome week. And uh, yeah, I just pray that you are encouraged because God is in you in a special and unique way if you have given your life to Jesus. I'm just going to end with one last note. If you have not yet given your life to Jesus, it is very, very simple. As you've gone through this sermon series, it is a call out to God who can hear you no matter where you are, saying, Jesus, I trust you as Lord, the one who provides and the one who gives provision. I trust you as Lord of my life and come into my life and make these changes in me. Let me be prepared for your presence. If you just prayed that prayer, you can let us know by emailing me at rob at promisechurch.ca and just say, I prayed that prayer, or you can let us know on Slack. If you're already on Slack, then that's great. And uh, I just pray that God blesses you. Have yourself a great week. God bless.